So we are in the midst of a teaching series called Vital Signs. If you are new, that's what we're in the middle of a teaching series on. Vital Signs, Indications of a Healthy Heart. And we're looking at the different vital signs, the different things that can tell us whether we're living a a spiritually healthy life or not, whether our hearts are healthy. We've looked at what it is to live joyful. We've looked at what it is to live prayerful. Look to what it is to live nourished in the sense of feeding on the word of God. To live international in the sense of caring about the nations in the way that God does. Uh, To live empowered in the sense of being clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll go on to look at things about to do with rest and work and hospitality and generosity. How are those things going? Because they're all indications as well as to the health of our spiritual heart. And this morning I want to look at what it is to live connected. By that I mean connected to community. What does it mean to live connected to community? And one of the things that we've been able to celebrate in Manchester this week, despite the horrors of all that we've seen, is the community spirit that has risen uh, kind of front and centre in that city. I'm sure you've all heard or read stories about the way in which that city is rallying together, whether it was taxi drivers offering to take people home for free on that night or in the morning, or people on Twitter offering cups of tea and a bed for the night for anybody that was stranded, elderly couples going to hospitals the next day to offer food and water to the emergency services who might need it. You might have seen the impromptu rally that was held in Albert Square in Manchester the day after the attack at which thousands of people gathered together to support one another. I think the highlight perhaps of that rally was the poem that the poet Tony Walsh, a Mancunian himself, had had written and and he uh, read with some uh, clout. And he said, they left us a spirit, they left us a vibe, the Mancunian way to survive and to thrive and to work and to build, to connect and create. Even in the, the worst of circumstances, there's still something in us. Our hearts beat a bit faster, I think, when we see community in action, when we see people coming together, dynamic, loving, serving, your good over mine community. We know that's a, it's a beautiful thing even in the worst of times. A connected community is a beautiful thing to behold. And the local church is intended to be perhaps the most spectacularly connected community of all. And not only in times of crisis, but but permanently. To the point, in fact, the Bible says, of being like body parts connected to each other. That degree of permanence is what is intended for the connection of the local church. So just in the next 20 minutes, I want to suggest to you that a fully connected local church community is beautiful. And it's challenging, but it's possible. It's beautiful, it's challenging, and it's possible. Why is it beautiful? I want to put it in terms of the big story of the Bible, I think, because we can easily get sucked into the, the nuts and bolts of it. But I want to put it into the, I want to couch it in terms of the big story of the Bible, because you could say that the story of the Bible is in some ways about connection. You think about it, God, we're told, is the ultimate connected being. Father, Son, Spirit, beautifully and intricately, utterly connected as one. And God creates human beings in that image. Connected to him in love and in friendship and in worship and connected to each other. Self-giving, loving relationships, connections. 
in order that we should be kind of like 45 degree mirrors, able to reflect the image of God to those around us. But sin, which is frankly our tendency to uh, misorder our desires and make ourselves or other things like mini-gods, Sin fractures those perfectly made connections. Connections with creation, connections with each other, connections with God. And the Bible pivots on the arrival and works of Jesus Christ, who effectively comes to restore and heal that brokenness. He comes to restore that complete disconnect between us and God, and as a result, between us and each other. And so it's no surprise that Jesus' commission to his friends and his first followers after his resurrection and before his ascension is to basically go out and live out and proclaim this message, this message of restored connection to God through him. And we see it immediately in action. The very first church is described in Acts chapter 2. Many of you would have heard... um, these passages many, many times. Some of you may not have heard this passage ever before. Acts 2.42 describes the very first church, the one in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, and describes them like this. It says in verse 42, and they, the Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the togetherness to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, connected, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. That is a description of a loving, devoted community of believers, fully connected to each other, fully connected to God, and indeed connected to their city too. And later on in the New Testament, as many of you will know, the, the, the most common metaphor used to describe this connected local church community is that of a physical body. And we get descriptions over and over again of what that looks like. One of the most beautiful of which is by the Apostle Paul when he writes to the first, one of the first churches in Ephesus in Greece in Ephesians 4.15. And he says to this church, to these Christians, to us, therefore, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Church community is a beautiful thing when, when it's working well, when we're devotedly connected to each other as deeply as a hand is to a wrist, as devotedly connected to Jesus as, as deeply as the neck is to the head. And each part is playing its role for the good of every other part and for the glory of the head. That's a, a beautiful thing. This term, um, I'm spending, each week I'm spending uh, the uh, time with a different midweek group. We call them life groups here. And this week I was with the New Malden uh, life group. Uh, for us, we see life groups as one of, if not the key place 
where uh, local church community connection is worked out. It was great to be with them. It was so encouraging to see connected community in action. People eating together, sharing hospitality together, sharing the challenges of workplaces, sharing the excitement of job job applications and impending weddings and pregnancies and so forth. People airing their doubts and their questions. Each part of the body helping the other to grow up in faith and love towards the head. Great to see someone sharing how they prayed for one of the the first times in their lives, I think, and, and felt a specific courage and boldness they'd never experienced before. People devoted to fellowship and to the Bible and to prayer and to sharing their faith with their friends, just like the Acts 2 community were like all those years ago. People who I knew from that evening would rush to help in times of crisis and are also there through the rhythm and the normal, even the mundane stuff of life, maintaining and strengthening connectedness. I know of groups over the years, some of which I've been part of, uh, which have demonstrated beautiful connectedness to each other and to God. Groups where, where marriages have been strengthened or healed. Groups where doubts have been aired and faith has been found for the first time even or for a fresh time. Groups where deep personal pain has been expressed and a journey has been walked through together in community. Groups where friendships have been found. Groups where spouses have been found. Groups where prayers have been answered. Groups where new dreams have been birthed and old dreams have been revived. Groups of people have given away their possessions and their finances to those in need. Groups where person after person has grown in their connection to and love for Jesus, the head of this body. It's a beautiful thing when it's working well. Number two, it's also a challenging thing. (laughs) It's also a challenging thing. I had nine challenges that I think there are to building connected local church community. Whittle it down to three. One of them is technology, but that's, I think, for another day, another talk. But I think that is a, a factor for us to be aware of. All I would say is technology is brilliant when used well. Let's make sure it doesn't use us. It's another talk, probably, but I'll just say that. Main challenge, busyness, I think, is a challenge. Kingston is a busy part of the world. South West London is a busy part of the world. I spoke to three people for so the last fortnight of this, uh, in, in this church, all of whom get up at between 5 and 5.30 to be able to get to work on time. Others who find it really hard to get home before 7.30, 8, 8.30. It's a busy, busy part of the world. Busy lives, long hours, long commutes, children, elderly relatives, people engaging voluntarily with their wider community building healthy marriages, sustaining friendships, health challenges, all make, that busyness all makes connecting deeply with the church community a challenge sometimes. Getting to life groups, prayer meetings, meeting one another one-to-one, opening our homes, serving on a Sunday team, just getting here on a Sunday, all of those can be challenges due to the busyness of life. I want to acknowledge that. People are busy in this part of the world. But as well as acknowledging that, I want to I bring a challenge to that as well. 
A few weeks ago, we had the, uh, the, the uh, sermon titled Live Nourished. You remember, remember the video that I showed from, from Bill Heibel. Some of you uh, said how helpful it was. And you might remember the whole story about where's your chair. And you might remember that when Bill Heibels uh, was asked by his young friend uh, Tom, or told by his young friend Tom, listen, I haven't got time to have a meeting with God in the morning to open my Bible and pray. I haven't got time for that. You might remember that Heibels just answered him very simply, Tom, I just find that in my life, I'm, I make time for what I've I make time for what I value. And the reality reality is that our diaries, and indeed our bank statements, will reflect what we value. Our diary will reflect where our heart really is. We could have a talk on that. The diary is a great indicator of the health of a heart, spiritually speaking. You know, if you genuinely believe the Christian message, the big story of the Bible, that we were disconnected from God because of our decision to make ourselves other things mini-gods, that God so loved us that he actually stepped into that disconnect in the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus, think about it, actually Jesus became disconnected for us, separated from God, in order that we might be uh, reunited to him. And no joy and flourishing and life forever. That a Christian is someone who is now not just connected to God as intimately as a neck is to a body, but also connected to other Christians as intimately as a hand is to a wrist. If you believe that, if, that, if the gospel and its implications regularly melt your heart, then you cannot help but wanting God or allowing God to reorder our desires. In that we make a priority of investing in him, the head, and indeed with each other, the rest of the the body, the other body parts. If we believe that, if it's continually capturing our heart, the gospel, the big story of the Bible, culminating in the gospel and its implications, then it will be reflected in our diary because we'll make time for what we value. You could say, hello, Philip, I'm, I'm here. <laughs> You're kind of preaching to the converted, but I'm talking far more than about a Sunday morning gathering. I'm talking about the nature of a local church community that is fully connected. We'll make time for what we value. Second challenge is individualism, or individualitis, as I once heard uh, another speaker say. We live in, in the West, which unlike more traditional cultures in the world, is incredibly individualistic in nature. Now, there, there are wonderful moments of community cohesion and, and a valuing of the community over self, as Manchester is showing so wonderfully at the moment, but by and large, our community is pretty consumed with self. Does this work for me? Is the general question that underlies much of how our society works. And that's a challenge to building connectedness in the church community because what about when it doesn't work for me? What about when getting to life group really doesn't suit me because some of the people in that group are frankly hard work? What about when being present on a Sunday morning doesn't really suit me because I want to be away for the weekend? What about when meeting together to pray doesn't really suit me because I find prayer hard? Now hear me, I am not saying that we shouldn't find life groups where we have things in common with each other, where we build friendships, where we have fun and feel valued and supported. We absolutely should. I'm not saying we shouldn't get away for the weekend to see friends and invest in our marriages. We should. My wife's away this weekend investing in old friendships. I'm not saying that prayer isn't hard sometimes. It is. But... I think it's helpful in those moments to step back and say, who am I doing this thing for? Who am I doing this thing for? 
Is it for the head, Jesus Christ? Is it in order to grow up into him in love? And is it also to serve and love the rest of the body parts, people, in light of the fact that Jesus first served and loved me? Or is it sometimes about us, about what works for us, what suits us? But no, sometimes. Or you might say, to be honest with you, my issue with connectedness, Philip, isn't really to do with inconvenience or busyness or even technology or anything else. My issue is I've, I've tried that. I've tried to play my part as a member of the body and I got hurt. I got hurt by people. You're right there. <laughs> no worries. Thank you. I got hurt by people, people who weren't there for me when I needed them most. I got hurt by being vulnerable and authentic and then just feeling exposed rather than loved and understood. I got hurt by leaders who let me down. That might be more where we're at. The writer Gerald Sitzer, I think, was right when he said, when the church is functioning at her best, there is no community on earth that can rival it. But when the church is functioning at her worst, there is no community on earth that can do as much damage. You might have been hurt by church. Sadly, there are many people who have. So if you're new here, if you've been burnt by church, if you've been burnt by this church, then of course it's wise to take time to to kick the tires, to, to see whether this is a place that you feel safe to connect into. Of course that makes sense. But you need to know that the reality is that this church, like any church, is full of fallible, sinful, frail people. Every one of us with our issues and our struggles and our challenges, no matter whether you can tell or not. All of us have our stuff. That's why we're Christians, because we know we need a saviour. But if you disengage every time a person fails you, I don't think you'll ever know what it means to live in a truly connected community as God has intended for you. Third challenge is linked. Third challenge is vulnerability. I would suggest that vulnerability is necessary for deep connectedness in the church community. Vulnerability is necessary, isn't it? To know genuine, deep connectedness. Think about it. In a, I don't know, in a, in a, in a dating relationship, if you only present the Facebook version of yourself, the best version of yourself, which we all do, come on, on Facebook or other equivalents, us at our best. If you only, in a dating relationship, talk of your successes and your joys and never your failures and your fears, it's going to be pretty hard to go beyond a relatively superficial connection, isn't it? At some point, one of you, for example, has to say, one of you has to be the first one to say, I love you. That's a very vulnerable place to be because the other person might not respond the same way. Vulnerability is necessary for deep and meaningful connection. Very few people go from dating to marriage without having made themselves profoundly vulnerable at some some point. And very few continue in healthy marriage without continuing to make themselves profoundly vulnerable. It's a necessary but challenging thing for deep, meaningful connection. In a local church, I think it's the times when we make ourselves vulnerable and another Christian lovingly meets us in that space. That's where the deep connectedness, joined upness of the body of Christ really forms and kicks in. It's a powerful thing. 
when we say, I, I don't have it all together. I, I need help. Or I have doubts. Or as someone once said in the group I was in, I know what the right answer is, but this is what I feel at the moment. They're powerful moments. That's where connectedness is formed. The other day I was, I was praying with some people and, and, uh, and someone uh, just said in the moment of prayer, someone just said, do you know, I've just said, finding it really hard as a happily married person, finding it hard to just kind of maintain that, that purity of thought. They want, they want to be a, a, a one woman only guy and yet there are challenges of keeping your eyes pure, keeping your heart pure, keeping it purely focused on, on your bride. Someone was brave enough just to sort of say that. And that was a profound moment. I'll tell you why. Because that person made themselves vulnerable. And for me, I was like, wow, yeah, I, I, struggle, I struggle with that as well. So can, can we help each other? Can we pray? Okay, so it's okay not to have it all wrapped up. Because he was prepared to be vulnerable, deep connectedness was formed in that moment. Because we didn't just present a sheen of Christian respectability. Because we said it how it is. Actually, we really got into far more connectedness of local church community. There's confession and there's prayer and there's friendship and there's trust that builds as a result. We long for deep and genuine connectedness. I think deep down we do, we do know that it requires vulnerability. And that in turn requires courage or requires help at least. And so my final point is that this is possible. This local church community is possible. Why do I know that? Because it's happening here all the time in different ways life groups and then what Patrick's doing with the men and what Becca's doing with the women and things I don't know about and spontaneous gatherings, people opening up their homes in different ways, all kinds of ways. But primarily, it's possible because of Jesus. See, the gospel is so much more than just Jesus has died for my sins and I'm forgiven. It is that, but it's so much more than that. The gospel is always the answer. Think about it, the challenge of busyness. Think about Jesus. He was more in demand and under more pressure than anyone who has ever lived. Thanks, mate. Thanks for being with us. We're glad that you're here. Thank you. He was more in demand and under more pressure than anyone who has ever, ever lived. The whole of history pivoted on him. That's workplace pressure, isn't it? Jesus was so busy, and yet he said, I only do what I see the Father is doing. Never once did busyness stop him from being single-minded in the pursuit of doing what would honor and glorify God and what would bring you to God. He's lived the perfectly busy life and united you to him. Never distracted, never diverted, never consumed by anxiety or stress. He's done that. Or the challenge of individualism. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. To make himself least of all. Jesus is, Jesus is the ultimate antidote to individualism. Look at him. He left the wonder and the glory of heaven to come and serve a broken, fractured humanity, including those that would hate him and reject him the most because people were worth it. Jesus defeated individualism and united you to, united him, united you to him. Vulnerability. It's not just a case of trying to be vulnerable. Look at Jesus. He made himself utterly vulnerable. He left the splendor of heaven and born into poverty and anonymity and ignominy and a backwater to the Roman Empire. 
He made himself utterly vulnerable, continually misunderstood, continually misrepresented, continually falsely accused, ultimately tortured, hung naked on a cross. What more vulnerable thing could there be? God made himself utterly vulnerable, naked and humiliated on a cross. He's the answer. He always is. We can be vulnerable in the pursuit of a deeply connected body of Christ because the head of our body made himself vulnerable for us. He didn't just say, didn't just say do this thing. He said, I've done this thing. Come and join me. Come and be joined into me. I want to push a bit further. We can even be vulnerable and then be let down by people. Because Jesus has never and will never let us down. Even when people are faithless, as they sometimes are. The Bible says he can only be faithful. You see, if I know that first and foremost, I am in Christ, I am one with him. He knew me at my worst and loved me and saved me and forgave me then. He knows what a messy journey I'm on at the moment and he still loves me. If I know that, then I can be vulnerable with you. You can let me down and not meet me in that moment and it doesn't have to crush me. If I'm standing on and united to and clothed in Christ. And so what does that mean practically for you? I want to ask just a few questions. Maybe Ross and the band could join me as I just ask those questions to us, help us to reflect in these moments. What does it mean for you, wherever you're at, to take a step forward in increased connectedness into the local church community? Maybe you've been going to life groups and doing all the stuff of church life for years, but you might have said, you know what, vulnerability? I can't remember the last time I actually made myself vulnerable. I actually kind of let my guard down a bit. Maybe it just could be going to life group regularly. Letting God reorder desires, letting him put busyness where it should be and the body of Christ where it should be. This is live stuff for me. I'm not in a life group. Just be honest with you. My wife is. I'm not. I'm visiting life groups this term because I've got a funny job. <laughs> so we're working this through. How does it, what does it look like for us to be fully connected and joined in? What does it look like for you? Joining teams. Joining serving teams. Great way of being fully connected into the local body of Christ. Rolling up your sleeves. Getting stuck in. Playing your part for the good of the whole body. Becoming a member. We call membership here, it's, it's all about being both feet in. It's saying, I see this thing, imperfect people, imperfect leaders, but I trust them enough to get both feet in with my time, my talent, my treasure, and we're going to see God's kingdom come. Might be forming a one, two, three discipleship prayer, du- a double or trio, a place where we actually do get talk about the stuff of life, where deep connectedness really forms. Might be just coming regularly on a Sunday. Reordering some desires so that the head and the body take the priority that they are designed to take. You might be here for the first time. You might have come into church for the first time. It might be everything you could do to come back to church for the first time. Maybe your step is just to come back next week. There are steps I think all of us can take in being increasingly connected in to the body of Christ 
with him at the head. I wonder what yours are.